Hey, fantastic. One of you open your Bible with me in Genesis 1, 28. We're nearly the end of the year now, last Sunday of the year. And uh, so whatever you decided you were going to set out to do at the beginning of the year is either done or it'll have to be next year. <laughs> How many set some goals for this last year? That's fantastic. One or two. That's great. Set goals. Okay. How many saw some breakthroughs, enlargements in your life in the last year? That's really good. Okay. Well, as we come out of this year, we've got an opportunity begin to thank the Lord for what we've accomplished, what's been done, lives changed, people saved, all kinds of things that have happened in our lives. But also it's an opportunity to start to reset ourselves for the coming year. And the coming year is going to be a great year. Going to, every year I believe in the Lord's a great year. I just never look back now. I'm looking forward. Every year is a great year, better than the year before. And uh, I want to just share with you uh, something today. Uh, and it's, it's called Breaking Free of Passivity. If we're going to advance and step out and increase in various ways in our lives and marriages, finances, or our influence, you cannot be passive. You can't be passive and advance. One of the, one of the issues that's quite a major one in our nation is passivity. Passivity over people, passivity over Christians, passivity uh, sitting over so much of our nation. And the ones who are passive are never the achievers, the ones who get up and go. They're the ones who make something happen. I want to be the ones who get up and go. But uh, we do need to recognize and be able to break free of passivity. So I want to share with you. Let's start off in Genesis 1, verse 28. Uh, and uh, God blessed them and said to them, so this is the creation mandate. This is, this is a command wired into every person. It's wired into your DNA. Uh, and this is what it says. It says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it and have dominion. Okay? God's design is for us to arise and conquer challenges in life. The word subdue means to exercise a force and bring something into order or alignment. To subdue something, you can't be passive. You don't hang out and wait and things get subdued. You don't wait around for things to come into order God calls us to be initiators. God calls you to be proactive. That's why you notice an interesting thing, that when you sit around and you're passive, your energy drains out, you become tired and yawny, and you can't even be bothered doing anything. But you're very unhappy as well. I, I see that the people who are satisfied in life are people who have decided they'll achieve something meaningful with their life. And in this coming year, 2009, it's a time for you to make a decision to accomplish something meaningful with your life. And to do that, you have to break free of any passivity that's got in around you. I'll give you a few keys how to recognize it and what to do about it. So one of the great reasons, of course, that we see failure in families is passivity in the men. Might as well sat straight out. That went down like a lead sinker, didn't it? <laughs> it's true. One of the big problems we have in our community, right across our nation, are passive men. Men who, for some reason or other, are not arising to give good leadership in their marriage and family. That's a problem. It breaks God's order, and of course there's going to be problems at the other end of it. Young people desperately need men to get involved in their life, give them direction, guidance, and help shape their identity. And the coming year is a year of advance, a year of breaking out, a year of growth, and we want to be breaking free of any passivity. So I want you to have a look with me in 2 Kings chapter 13. Just uh, briefly at a couple of verses there. 
Passivity robs you of your potential. Passivity will rob you of your potential. It is literally a thief. It will steal away your life and you won't even notice it. Sit there watching TV, you're not doing anything, you didn't go anywhere, you didn't accomplish anything, you were totally passive. Passive people, uh, their potential is robbed. They never fulfill their potential. Here's a guy here, and he had a bit of a problem. And uh, read it from verse 14. We won't read the whole story, but uh, just 14 through to 17. Elijah had become sick with sickness where he was going to die. And Joash, the king of Israel, came down and wept over his face. And he said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen. And Elisha said to him, Take a bow and some arrows. He took himself a bow and arrows, and he told the king of Israel, Put your hand on the bow, and he put his hand on it, and Elijah put his hands on the king's hands. And then he said, Open the east window, and he opened it. And Elisha said, Shoot, and he shot the arrow out. And then Elisha spoke prophetically the arrow of the Lord's deliverance, the arrow of deliverance from Syria. You must strike the Syrians at Aphek till you have destroyed them. And then he said, take the arrows, and he said, strike the ground, and he struck the ground three times and stopped. Now, the situation here is this, that the Syrians had continually invaded Israel and impoverished it, and so their potential was restricted and limited, and they were plundered by these people coming in. They burned down the villages, stole the goods, took the women, children away, killed the men, and there was continued problem in Israel because of the Syrians. And when the king of Israel realized Elisha, who represents, who was the man of God in his day, when he saw he was about to die, he went to him and he sought help. He was looking for help or relief from the suppression of the Syrians. And, And Elisha was a prophet, and so... He, he spoke a word, and then he required the king to do something. So Elisha spoke to him a word. Now, a word from God can change your life. A rhema, a personal word from God can unlock your destiny. When God speaks, he speaks into the possibilities, and the Bible says no word from God is without power to be fulfilled. So when you get a word from God potentially your whole life and future can change. But you have to do something with that word. You can't be passive and sit around and say, well, I had a prophecy, I had a word from God, blah, 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 blah. Listen, that won't do any good. If you do believe that God has given you a word, you have to break out of all passivity and do something. Now, this is what he was given. He was given, an, uh, it was given an arrow was fired through the window And he said, and spoke prophetically, this is the arrow of God delivering you from the Syrians. So just like that arrow flew through there, God is going to deliver you from the Syrians. You can't do it in your own ability. God's supernatural ability will be released. And he said, now take the rest of the arrows and strike them on the floor. These are the arrows of God's deliverance. He was requiring him to make an action of faith, to step out, do something. Do something to show his response to the word he'd received. So he gets the arrows and he just taps them on the gown three times. Now, if you read there, the prophet was furious with him. Why was he furious? He was furious because he saw this man was passive in his nature and lacked the determination 
to persevere, to pursue the enemy, to be uh, strong and assertive, and to get a breakthrough and release. And he was furious. He was furious that this man, because of his passivity, would not bring about deliverance right through Israel as he had uh, prophesied to him. And rather, many, 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 many men would die because of this passivity. When you read a little later in the story, you find three times this king went out to battle against the Syrians. Three times he won a victory, but he never totally defeated them. But what if he had been gripped with passion? What if he'd been gripped with fire? What if there'd been a fire of life in him and he'd just bang those things on the ground because he's determined inside, I'm going to break through. I will not let this thing stay in my nation anymore. What a difference that would have been. Instead, he just gave three light taps on the floor. And see, what? it's not the taps on the, with the arrows that counted. It was what he manifested from inside him. He was passive. He, was, he lacked what it took to bring deliverance to his nation. If you and I are going to break through in areas of our life or areas of reaching into our city, it'll take more than just a couple of quiet prayers, more than just reaching out to one or two people. There has to be a fire and determination to push past the things that hinder us. And this is what the story is about. It's about this man having being so passive, so shut down, so lacking in dynamic energy that all he could do was just give a couple little taps. Listen, imagine what happened if, if uh, the prophet said, and you knew this guy was a prophet, and every time he said something, something happened, and uh, he said, and you said, listen, I really need a financial breakthrough. Man, I've I got all these pressures and debts. I've got all these things coming in, and, and there's pressure. I can't sell my flag, all these things. And he said, listen, I'm going to fire this arrow. And he fi you fired the arrow. And uh, he noticed that the king had to fire the arrow. Prophet's hands were on it, identifying with him. And uh, he said, and, and imagine if you fired the arrow. And he said, now that's the arrow of financial breakthrough. Now I want you to take the rest of the arrows and bang them on the ground. Well, now, if you're under a lot of pressure, you know what you'd be doing. You'd be banging those things on the ground all day. Okay? Because inside, you are a lot, there's, there's a longing for something to happen. And uh, you and I can never achieve things in our life if we're passive. And I want to just talk a little bit about it because it's a real issue with many people, and it's unfortunately an issue with much of the church of Jesus Christ in our nation. Very passive, very shut down, very lacking in dynamic energy in life. And you and I can do something about it. And we're going to start off with our own life. So the word, the, to be passive means, uh, oh, what a contrast. Uh, in, in Psalm 80, 18, verse 37, when David got his chance, he said, I pursued my enemies. I chased them and chased them, and I wouldn't let go until the whole lot were gone. Uh, different spirit, see? He carried a totally different spirit. Now, you and I choose whether we're of a fervent, fiery, passionate, go-getter spirit, or whether we're passive, sit down, wait for something to happen. So which are you? Passive, waiting for something to happen, or get up and go and make something happen. We're going to look at the difference in a moment. So passive, this is what it means. A person who's passive, or over, to overcome passivity, this is what you need to understand what it means. So we're going to try and paint a few pictures of it. Uh, passivity means the person's unresponsive. You give them some exciting news, ho-hum, yawn. Uh, unresponsive, person's compliant. They just go along with what the crowd are doing. Uh, a person who's uh, passive 
is laid back. Oh, well, you know, what will be will be. You know, she's right, you know. We'll see what God will do. Listen, that is passivity. It's passivity. Uh, lifeless. Uh, a person who's passive doesn't participate actively. So you want to watch around in worship service sometime. You see, some are passive. That tells me. See, to watch a person in worship and see them passive indicates everything about your spiritual life and the vitality you don't carry. Now, it's not always seen, just I can see people, and maybe they're not moving their hands, but you can tell that they are actively engaging God. So, so passivity, a person who's passive is unresponsive. They tend to be compliant, tend to follow along, they don't participate. They, it, it means literally this, it means you submit or yield to things without putting on any fight. So something happens or comes your way that you, that's upsetting to you, you just let it roll over you and you roll over like a dead dog. That's passivity. Passivity. person who's passive just gives up, yields, surrenders. person who's passive goes with a crowd. Young people, how can you make your life count if you are passive? You can't afford to go with the crowd. Much of the crowd are going in the wrong place. You go with the crowd, you go where they go. You need to lead the crowd. To lead the crowd, you can't be passive. A person who's passive thinks and acts like a victim. They've given up their power and their right to do anything because they blame someone else all the time. So you find people who are gripped with a victim mentality. Poor me. It's not my fault, you know. It's, it's not my fault. You can't blame me. It's not my See, people who think that way remain passive. And I'm going to get into that next year. I want to do a couple of messages on it. It's not my fault. Getting to deal with that whole mentality of blaming the people around you, the circumstances around you, because you'll never have dominion while you adopt a blaming someone else mentality. We have to totally eliminate this blaming thing and uh, this victim mentality out of our, our lives. Otherwise, we can never advance and do what God wants us to do. So that's what a passive person life. You find it in 1 Samuel chapter uh, 14 and verses 1 to 2. And you see it again demonstrated there with King Saul. And now Saul's got a crisis on his hand because his son uh, <coughs> went out and stirred up some trouble. And now he's got all of the Philistines in an uproar. Now, if you have a think about it, Saul's job was to lead Israel to break through the Philistine invaders. That was his job, to set the people free of the, uh, the, the uh, invaders that had come through into their nation. And that's our role too, is to actually set people free of demons and things that trouble their lives, bring them into the life that's in Jesus Christ. But Saul is sitting under a tree. He's sitting under the pomegranate tree. He's sitting there and he's depressed and passive. And he's passive at the very time he should be getting direction from God on what to do. Being passive robs you of your potential. Passivity is the sign a person's defeated. They're not going anywhere. They're not going to make anything happen. Actually, they're a sinkhole for things. God doesn't want us to be passive. It's, we're not wired to be passive. We're wired to subdue and have dominion. We're wired to take initiative. We're wired to be proactive. We're wired not to stand around and wring our hands, but to be creative in finding ways to change what is happening around us. Every one of us, it's in your DNA. That's why when you come up with a good idea, do it and change things around, you feel so full and satisfied. It's because you're wired for that. We're wired for this kind of thing. No one is wired to be passive. 
God is not passive. The kingdom of heaven is not passive. The Bible says the quality of the people who possess what God has is they are violent. They press in assertively to get what God has promised them. Now notice the difference between Saul and Jonathan. Jonathan's there, and this is Jonathan. I love his attitude. He's not passive at all. He says, let's go over and see what we can do. Saul is sitting there in depression because passive people are often depressed. And, and Jonathan's sitting, I can't stand here doing nothing. Let's just do something. And so he took half of the armory, one sword. He said, let's go over. He said, are you with me? And the servant said, I'm with you. And he said, well, this is what we're going to do. We're going to show ourselves to the Philistines, and then God will give us a sign. If they say, come up to, you, up to them, we know God's delivered them into our hands. And so they came over, showed themselves, and he initiated something that brought freedom for people that day. The interesting thing is that when Saul saw this fight taking place, then he decides he's going to have a prayer meeting and pray. Passive people always pray at the wrong time. When they should be doing something, they're trying to pray about it. It's true. Should have heard from God and recognized what God's doing and be able to just flow straight with it. He'd forgotten. See, when you're a passive person, you forget your mandate. You forget what you're called to do with your life. You're so down on the inside. So we want to have a look at that whole thing and see what we can do about breaking free of that. So notice this, that faith is never passive. Faith, true biblical faith, is never passive. If you have biblical faith, it's always active. This is a problem for some people who are praying and waiting for God to give them a big breakthrough one day. Now, I do believe God gives breakthroughs and gives us, uh, uh, opens doorways and opens opportunities for us. But I find many people, instead of actually being proactive, preparing for that day, praying for that day, doing what they can to initiate that day, are waiting for God to do it for them. And what happens when people get like that is actually they're not pleasing God. They're not moving and making anything happen at all. So, for example, the gifts of the Spirit. The Bible says, if you're a believer, God has endowed you with these gifts of the Spirit. Your responsibility is to stir them up, not wait till you feel good, not wait till God does something. We're actually to activate our life. We're responsible to keep ourselves proactive with our life. That's how God wants us to operate. Okay, so how come people get a passive spirit? How come they get shut down? Why is it so many people are passive? Why do people get like that? And uh, <clears throat> when I came here, the church that we started uh, had a handful of people in, but it was very, very passive. And when you get a church this passive, it becomes very religious. You go in there and you start yawning. You just can't hop, stop yawning. There's no life. There's no vitality. You're just going through the motions. There's no God there. There's nothing happening. Now, you and I desire for God's presence to dynamically touch us. To do that, you've got to do something. So what is it that causes people to become passive or get a passive spirit? Now, there's several things, of course. I just identified a few that I felt would be a help for you to get a handle on. The first one, one of the first reasons that people become passive is because they're oppressed by demons. That's one reason people are passive. They're oppressed by demons. How do we know that? Because the Bible says, wherever the Holy Spirit is, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty and life. That means eyes are alive, there's joy, there's some expression. You can't be alive without someone noticing. 
Eh? Think about that. <laughs> but you see, oppressive spirits. So what kind of spirits? Well, the Bible describes a few of them. Uh, I'll give you the verses for it. It says in, uh, in Isaiah 61 verse 3, a spirit of heaviness. So some people have a spirit of heaviness. We'd call it being depressed. Now, I know there's some forms of depression, which are chemical or cause of, caused by imbalance in the body, but uh, there are also much depression is caused by anger, unresolved conflict inside, and spirits of heaviness sitting on people. And when that thing sits on you, you have a black dog day. Man, I used to have a few of those until I realized it was just a demon. Once I learned what to do, I was free of that. Shuts you down, you become passive. Here's another thing that gets around people, a spirit of unbelief. In Mark 5 and uh, Mark 6, verse 5 to 6, Jesus was trying to minister, and he couldn't get any response from people. They were shut down by a spirit of unbelief. Now, that's another spirit that makes people passive. It gets over Christians. If you're going to please God, the Bible says the way we please God is by walking a life of trust and obedience, a life of faith. Without faith, we can't please Him. But it's very easy for us to, now, remember, to walk the walk with God. You've got to remember He's a supernatural God. So therefore, we would expect God to do things as a result of our walking with Him. Now, spirit of unbelief gets over people. It grips the mind, and you can't conceive of God doing anything unusual in your life. You know He'll do it overseas. You can't believe He'll do it here. You know He'll touch the person next to you. You can't believe He'll touch you. So when a spirit of unbelief gets over a person, it literally blocks them and shuts them down. I have been in prayed for thousands and thousands of people. I've noticed an interesting phenomena. As I go along praying for people, every now and then I get one, and suddenly it's like there's a wall and the person's shut down. And as I look at them and study them, I realize they're incredibly passive. They're not reaching out hungrily and expectantly. They are passive. And, and I, the Lord taught me and showed me that many times that's a spirit of unbelief. The moment we broke that spirit off their life, suddenly they're able to receive a healing. I can remember more than one person I prayed for, the moment we prayed and commanded the spirit of unbelief to go, immediately there was a release in that person's life. Immediately. In other words, a spirit rested on them, shaped the atmosphere around their life so they were shut down passive and without any spiritual dynamic around their life. Unable to receive. And if you can't receive, you haven't got much to give either. See? And another one is fear. Fear will shut you down. Fear will make you passive. So if people have grown up in an environment that cultivated fear, it tends to shut people down. In 2 Timothy 1 verse 6, Paul writes to Timothy, he says, Timothy, stir up the gift of God which is in you by the laying on of hands. And what was wrong there? Paul, uh, Timothy had become dormant. The gift that was in his life was no longer flowing. And, and Timothy, uh, uh, Paul writes to him, said, listen, that's a spirit of fear. You've been intimidated by people. It shut you down. You got passive. Stop that. Stop it. And he's writing to Timothy. Now, Timothy was a young man, probably his early 30s, but he was a bishop over thousands and thousands of people. And, to, and Paul's right to say, stop that, Timothy. You stir yourself up. Don't you let those people intimidate you. Can you understand that? So he'd become passive in operating in his giftings because of a spirit of fear over his life. Some people become passive because 
of oppression or heaviness. Some become passive because of control over their life. They've been so controlled by other people that they're shut down inside. Long ago, they stopped trying to find life and they've just gone into themselves. That's a spirit. They need to be delivered and set free of that thing. Now, you notice this. In each of those situations I described, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You've got to do something to get that heaviness off you. You make a decision to directly confront that spirit and to begin to praise the Lord. As you praise the Lord, everything begins to change around you. How many of you notice you come into a meeting here, you make a decision to get engaged and involved, eh, the atmosphere changes. You shift. You come away and you're full of life. But if you don't, you walk out as heavy, if not heavier, than when you came in. You make a decision. You've got to be proactive. If there's a spirit, God's given you authority, take dominion, kick the thing out. Don't let these things hang around you. You should have an atmosphere of God around you, not a demon spirit. Notice he says to the disciples when they talked about a spirit of unbelief, he said this kind comes out only by prayer and by fasting. Matthew 17 verse 20. In other words, he's saying, don't just complain because there's unbeliefs around you. Do something about it. Go pray. Go fast. Go get in the Word of God and shift that spiritual atmosphere around your life. You understand, you've got to do something. You can't just sit there and hope it'll all go. Pray, oh dear Jesus, please help me. Well, sometimes that works when you're a very young Christian, but when you're growing, God expects you to do better than that. Spirit of fear, Paul's told Timothy, he told Timothy, stir up the gift of God. How do you do that? You learn to pray in the Spirit, pray in tongues, stir yourself up, get yourself energized, full of life. If you don't do that, well, you'll become passive and shut down. So one way, one area, one way that people get into bondage because of spiritual oppression. There's another way, the area they get into bondage too, a similar thing, and this is uh, very simply, it's uh, limiting mindsets, mindsets or thought patterns. Now one of the things I found, I'll just go back just a moment on that thing with spirit. Some Christians have so long lived with oppressing spirits. They had them before they were saved, they still got them after they say, and instead of actually getting them dealt with, they actually think that's normal to be like that. So, some, so people come into our church and say, boy, you're all loud and noisy and shouting. There's a reason for it. One, it's commanded in the Bible, how we should shout and praise and stir and clap and dance and sing and whatever. But secondly, it alters the environment and the atmosphere around us so we're not passive. You start to come alive. But you've got to make it not just something you do on a Sunday. It's got to be your lifestyle. I'm not going to be passive. I'm not going to accept. Now, a person who's proactive, see, the opposite of being passive is being proactive. You are engaged. You do something. You initiate something. You take responsibility, and you initiate an action. So God wants you to be proactive. So if you're oppressed by spirits, become proactive. Don't wait for them to oppress you. Step up, pray strongly, learn to take dominion over them, and master the environment around you and in you. It's the first thing we've got to do. Learn how to handle that. So, spirit of heaviness, you've got to do something. Okay, then here's the next thing then, the limiting mindset. In Proverbs 23, verse 7, it says, the way you think, that's what you live your life like. As, as you think in your heart, so you are. So, a mindset is a fixed way of thinking about things. And unfortunately, many people are passive because they have mindsets. A mindset is a way of thinking, you repeated it so often, it's literally become the way you think. And usually with a mi mindset, we, we don't stop to challenge it. We just accept it. The Bible tells us in Romans 12 and verse uh, 2, it says, don't be conformed or shaped 
or made passive by pressure from the environment around you, but be totally changed by renewing the way you think. So a major key to breaking out of passivity is change how you think. And, that, and then change how you behave. We'll get the next one. Change how you behave. Change how you think. Now, how do people get these kind of mindsets? Well, sometimes they were picked up in their family background. So in, in a family background, for example, where the, the woman, uh, the mother was very, very active. She had to carry all the weight of the home and the father was uh, very passive, very withdrawn. When you look at that model, you begin to form a mindset that that's how family operates. You have to change that. And young men that have lived under that undoubtedly will then marry and repeat it. Women who have lived and grown up under that will inevitably marry a passive man and repeat it. We, we see this in counseling all the time. So you have to actually realize that some things we learn just aren't right. So from my own family background, there was things, patterns of behavior in the marriage, they weren't right. They, they led to me being passive, and every time I'd go home, I'd become incredibly passive. I'd get in the environment and the atmosphere, and I would just automatically and subconsciously just shut down and become passive like I had been growing up, until the day Joe and I got to have a, a heated discussion about this phenomenon, and uh, I repented and uh, had to make a decision. Well, I was, heat, I was, I was do, doing the bush thing, ducking shoes. <laughs> and uh, anyway, what happened was she spoke to me and said, we need to talk about this. And I realized that when I got in my family, emotionally, I would respond to the environment and go back into the old way of being passive and shut down, totally withdrawing, going into a book and disappearing. Hello, lights are on. There's no one home. No one's home. Hello, no one home. No, gone. And so we had to I had to realize then that I had to resolve emotional issues and ways of thinking from family background and take a stand against the spiritual powers and then initiate different action. And we've built our life, our family life, much different to the one I drew, drew from. So family background can be controlling, can be passive, can be dysfunctional. You can actually learn in a family environment that no matter what you do, nothing's going to change. Or you can, you can have in your mind, a uh, in fact, I grew up with this mind thing that a belief in my heart that didn't matter what I did, it would never be good enough. And that was with me for a long time. What it makes is in the end, you either strive to overcome and, and you try, strive to perform or you just shut down and stop trying. And many people have learned to be helpless and God wants you to unlearn it and learn that in Christ, you're a new creation. Greater is he in you than he that's in the world. A new spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, is in you and can quicken you and make you alive and definitely not passive. Hey? If, if the spirit of God can raise Jesus from the dead, if he can do that to a dead body, what can he do to your soul? Come on, think about that. Make you alive, alive, alive. Oh, Yes, that's what we want. So, so, so we can develop these things from our family background. Sometimes we develop them uh, from... Um, we develop a victim mindset 
you know, not my fault, you know, poor me, I never had a good back. So victim mindset, we develop it through some bad experiences in life. So there's many ways you can form these mindsets. But in the end, at the end of the day, you've got to decide, I will not be the victim, I'll not be powerless, I'll not roll over, I will begin to own my life and stand up and begin to own the dreams, the visions, the goals God has given me. I will not be passive. I will not shut down. I will not be silent. I will not go into myself and just think nothing can happen that will be any good to me. I will believe I can change. You can change. Tell someone, you can change. You can change. Don't accept being passive. Passive in various areas of your life. Of course, the other thing that can cause us to be shut down in our mind is just discouragement and succession of some disappointments can cause you to draw back. Now, people can become passive in just the spiritual area of their life. So they can be very successful. You notice some men can be very successful in their work. You bring them into their home and they're absolutely passive as a leader and passive spiritually. Now, they need to do something about that. It is wrong. It is destructive, and it will definitely cause damage to you and your family on the way. You need to change. You're not made to be like that. Your kids need you to step up and break out of that fuzzy haze that makes you passive and not saying or doing anything to give leadership in your home. Time to step up. Time to make the change. You say, well, I didn't have a dad. Stop bleating. That is a victim mindset. Find someone who can coach you and help you and make a decision. You'll stop blaming someone or something else. You just decide you'll learn. Get over it. By forgiving, releasing, acknowledging what's there, release it and ask God to give you grace to learn and grow. And then finally, the last, the last way that causes the people remain locked into passivity is just by plumb bad habits. Some people are passive as just a lifestyle. Lifestyle of compromise will leave you spiritually passive. Compromised life is always a passive life. A person who compromises. Young people, if you compromise in your standards or whatever, it won't be long before you'll be passive in your spiritual life. I can guarantee it. Sin will cause you to become very passive, shut down in your spiritual life. Laziness will make you passive. Laziness. Laziness. Lazy man desires but has nothing because he refuses to work. So when you become a Christian, when you begin to join the Lord and walk with Him, He doesn't want you to be a lazy person. Lazy people don't get things, you know. He says, be followers or be an imitator of those who by faith and endurance obtain the promises of God, but definitely don't be slothful. Tells us that in Hebrews 6 verse 12. Don't be a lazy man. Don't be a slacker. Develop disciplines in your life because when you learn to just to sleep all the time and do nothing all the time, watch TV, drink, do the da 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 da, what you find is you begin to shut down. You become a lazy person. That's why if you're out of employment for a while and you get onto the doll, wonderful thing, the doll helps you just sharing in between jobs. But go and sow some work because if you don't work, your character will change. You become passive. You become unemployable. Passivity is a curse. It steals your potential, and you have to make some decisions 
to break out of it. Listen, what must I do? If it's a spiritual oppression, begin to start to connect with God, acknowledge the things there, pray and build your spiritual life, confront the thing and drive it away from you. Speak words and take your authority over it. Praise the Lord. Use words to change the atmosphere around your life. If you've got things in your mind and your thought life, you have to do something about that. Acknowledge they're there. Grieve over the issues and whatever. Forgive people and then start to change the way you think. Read some good material. Read some inspirational books. Read some things. And if you're into bad habits, repent and change your bad habits. Begin to start to get some good habits. When to go to bed, when to get up, when to do some things. Begin to build a life of godliness, a life of achievement. Set some goals. We get breaking out of this year into next year. Set some goals. Set, begin to get a vision of what your future could be. Set the steps out. There's nothing like that to get you out of being passive. And then get some supportive relationships which will help you accomplish what you set out to do. But make a decision. I'm not going to be passive. I'm not going to live with a passivity over my life. I'm not going to live with that heaviness over my life, I'm going to make a decision. I'll make a decision. I'll make a decision. That's not who I am. It's not what God intended me to be. And it's not how I'll live my life. I'll do whatever it takes to change. You can make that decision. If you're a dad, you can make that decision to change. If you're a young person, you can make that decision. Wherever we are, we can make a decision. I'm not going to be passive. I'm not going to be passive wasting my life Missing the opportunities. Be not slothful, but be followers of those who through patience and faith inherit the promises of God. In Isaiah 52, this is what God speaks to the church when it's in such a state. It says, Arise! Shake yourself from the dust. Be seated in a place of authority and begin to rule over the opposition that's come against you to steal. See, you and I can do that.